0: So I want you to read with me in Acts chapter number 8, verse number 5. And I've just chosen this particular text because of of numerous reasons, we'll we'll let it unfold. But let's just see that. Verse 5 says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ unto them. Isn't that powerful, isn't it? Just preaching Jesus. And so he preached Christ unto them, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And that's powerful, isn't it? So this is the power of God at work in the church, in the early church. In verse number 8, and there was great joy in that city. Yeah. And isn't that power? great joy. When you see the hand of God, and you see the tangible imprint of His grace uh, in, our, in your heart and life, uh, then there's going to be there's going to be a response to it, right? You just say, I'm gonna have, there's going to be great joy, and then verse number nine there was a certain man called Simon, a four time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the great power of God, and to him they had regard because that of him long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. I mean, no, we don't want to be a part of something like that. Right? There's a mysticism that can even be uh, overlapping with the, the work of the Spirit, but we don't want that. We want what's biblically accurate and sound doctrine, right? And so, uh, it says here, uh, let's go on down, verse 12. But when they believed, now notice this, when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself uh, believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles, now here's where I want to draw your attention. We're only going to read about three verses or four verses like to conclude. Now, when the apostles, remember, Philip was not one of the apostles. And so Philip here is gone and to Samaria, and we've seen a great work of grace. We've seen miracles of people being saved and water baptized, including physical healings and demonic exorcisms, if we want to use those terminologies. Um, But then the apostles send Peter and John unto them, verse 14, because they had heard they had received the word of God. They came with a purpose, verse 15. When they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now that's powerful, isn't it? Now I know there's more to this story, but it's not really where my focus is going to be today. And as a kind of a result of our conversations in the office, uh, going from where I was at last week with sanctification in the Spirit, I want to take you in this thought for just a moment. A distinctive experience or a distinct experience, something in your life related to the work of the Holy Spirit of God, is there a moment? I believe God wants all of us to have not an ending in one moment, but a beginning that everybody should be able to have, and our experiences may vary, and theologically sometimes they may vary, but we all need to be able to point back and say, that was the time, when something happened that radically altered my life. And that's what I want to ask you to join with me. Let's look at it for just a few minutes. Father, I love you, and I'm so grateful to be a part of our church family today and have the joy of the Lord, to be able to worship God, to be able to celebrate what you're doing in our hearts and lives, and now to be able to turn to the Scriptures and to ask for your help. Father, I need, I have a dependency in my life, God, today, to search out these things and to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit, to communicate truth. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would, as we say so often, let preaching come easy in this house. But beyond that, even, the time, Father, of ministering the Word of God in prayer, I pray, Lord, that we'll have a freedom and an unction at that time equally as well. It's in Jesus' name, and everyone said, thank you for your reverence of the Lord, standing in honor of the reading of Scripture. So I'm going to kind of... Just begin to break some things down. I've got some notes up here. It's not necessarily a sermon um, because I didn't want to necessarily make this a sermon. I wanted this to be something that could kind of unfold as I began to talk about it and trusting that the Spirit of the Lord would help me here equally as much as He does when I sit with pen and paper in the solitude of my office to be able to prepare a message to bring to you. There's a couple of things that I want us to just begin to draw our attention in for just a few moments, and that is, I've preached a lot of messages historically over the years about the Holy Spirit. Obviously, as a Pentecostal fellowship, that's a core doctrine. It's a core value. It's a belief that that we believe the power and the work of the Holy Spirit to be still active in the church of our generation. Come on, somebody. Amen? And I'm going to challenge you with this today. I've preached messages in, in days gone by, uh, one of which was called the changing face of Pentecostalism because Pentecostalism in today's time does not look like what Pentecostalism looked like seventy years ago, sixty even excuse me as short as forty years to thirty years ago. And I can't say that when you are desiring God to do something in our midst or in our own personal lives individually, that we should always attempt to replicate a bygone error. I think there can be error in that as well right because this is a new season god promises new wine right i can't if i if i attempt to go back into history and to capture exactly what they had and try to bring that into my time frame then i'll probably find myself always feeling incomplete and but at the same time i can't fail to fully embrace i've got to embrace What they had. And because when I look through the lens of both history and Scripture, I see something that still stirs me this day. And that's the power of the Spirit of God in the church. And the need for us to learn to be dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, in my life, as I grow and mature, the one thing that I always want to do is I always want to be learning. But I always want to continue... To pray for, because I just believe God has. You know, I can look at the same thing and all of a sudden see a new side to it, right? And I can and it can produce life in me, but at the same time, with a desire to grow in the knowledge of God, I don't want that to supersede or to uh, to take the place of a simple belief system that says sometimes I don't know the answer or somebody I don't have clear light or sometimes i can't give exact clarification as to reasons why but there is a work of god the power of his holy spirit that sometimes all you can do is look at the evidence of where he's been and say you know what that was god well this experience i believe in a personal work of the spirit of god in our lives individually to you and and, and i want to challenge you today one of the one of the earmarks of The Spirit being poured out in the first century was that the promise that the Apostle Peter quoted on that day was the promise of the Father was to all who call upon the name of the Lord. And that contrasted the historical work of God in the Old Covenant when typically it was someone who sat in a very specific office, like a priest or a prophet or perhaps even a king. But as we've noted previously many times, the common person, the common worshiper, had no function or unction of the Spirit in, our li- in their life. But when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, after he himself had received of the empowering work of the Holy Spirit, he said, this is that. There was a revelation that was made known to him in that moment. I don't know if he knew it previously. He had just been fulfilling the command of Jesus. What was the command of Jesus? Jesus. Before Jesus ascended up into the presence of God uh, on the day of resurrection from the Mount of Olives, he told his disciples, he said, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. It was a promise, and it was something that he had talked about previously, because if you go back and you read Acts chapter number 1, when they were waiting, they still had the anticipation of the coming of the kingdom of God. And Jesus kind of refuted that and shifted their attention away from the messianic kingdom to the kingdom of God that is coming right now without observation because it's happening internally in the lives of men and women. And he said this, he said, but you have heard of this. You have heard of me say this. Previously, he said that the spirit of God is going to come. So he had talked openly about the Spirit of God with His disciples. And you can go back on your own, and you can journey through John 14, 15, and 16, and even into John 17, where Jesus, in a very personal manner, is promising them the coming of the what He called the Comforter. That when the Comforter has come, He even said, you can't understand these things right now. But when the Comforter has come, He said, He will guide you into all truth. So there was an anticipation in their heart and life that, that didn't begin... On the Mount of Olives, that, that was kind of the culmination, that was the final word. So they go back to Jerusalem, and they do exactly what Jesus said. They are in and out of the temple, and they're worshiping God. They're celebrating the goodness of God. They're not being targeted by the Sanhedrin at that particular time. And so there's a little bit of freedom and activity. And so the noted rep, uh, you know, references in Acts chapter number 2, when the day of Pentecost... When the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, according to the Jewish calendar, fully arrives to celebrate. The day of Pentecost was the celebration of harvest. And also it was the celebration of the giving of the law of Moses. And so when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the Scripture says, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house wherein they were sitting. Now that's not the only time or the first time that a house was filled with the presence of God. You can read in the Old Covenant that when they, when they uh, erected the tabernacle, the presence of God filled the tent. When they erected the temple, then the Bible says that the presence of God filled the house. So that's not the first time that it happened. But it was, what was unique in that particular moment is that, that the glory of God that came ushering in to the church on that particular day was this right here. But then he divided. What does that mean? That somehow... The power and the presence of God didn't just abide in the room, but became an individual experience. We've all been in the room when we said, my God, I felt the presence of God. We've all been in rooms when we could walk outside the doors and the doors could close behind us, and there was something tangible that was happening in the room, and we knew it. And we said, man, I saw and I heard it It was wonderful and it was powerful. But what was unique about this moment is that the Spirit of God didn't just abide in the room. But the Spirit of God literally sat upon each one of them. And when the Spirit of God came upon each one of them, the Bible says they were all filled with the Spirit of God and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God Gave them the utterance. That's classical Pentecostal doctrine. It's what you and I label or call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so the thing that I'm arriving at in my life, just as a point of reference for you and I here today, is that as we see a lot of changes happening in what we call the Pentecostal slash charismatic movement, we have to be very, very careful. Because if we are not careful, we will replace ecstasy in worship with an experience of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's ecstasy in worship. I know it. You know it as well. There are climatic moments in my life as I worship God. But I'm not talking about when your praise is coming upward. I'm talking about when His power is coming downward. I'm talking about when you've got your hands raised up toward heaven and something supernatural comes out of heaven and sits upon you. And it so radically changes your life That you'll never be the same from that day forward. And you'll always be able, not that you're gonna always go back and like you're worshiping at the shrine of that moment. That's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about a singular experience, I'm not talking about you being able to go back and worship and bring flowers to. It's like a memorial day where you're visiting the graveyard of someone that had affected you in a positive way, and I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about you should be able to look back and say, I can remember, you know, that particular day I was worshiping God, and you know, I had a desire to to, to know God more intimately, and I had a desire to do things for God, but I felt a little bit limited, I felt hindered. I knew that in my natural giftings, you know, there was some limitation, but on that That day, something came out of heaven. The power of God did sit upon my life, and I was radically changed from that day forward. I just believe in my heart of hearts that every one of us, every one of us, male or female, rich or poor, no matter what race, gender, doesn't matter any of those things, every one of us ought to have that experience in our life. That we could say the Spirit of God came upon me in power and changed my life. In this particular, was you look through the book of Acts, and so I went back and just kind of skimmed over some things that I was very familiar with in order to draw my attention. There's certainly a a distinct experience. Why did I choose Acts 8? Now, there are five recorded instances in the book of Acts where the Bible speaks very plainly about the Spirit of God coming upon the, the, the first century church. But in Acts chapter number 8, there is actually no notable reference to how the manifestation took place. There's no, the Bible says, if we were to go back and look at that in chapter number 8, at verse number 17, it says that when the apostles laid hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. There's no actual record in this particular instance of actually what happened. That, because the reason why I say that is, if we'd have read farther, Simon, who had bewitched the people, saw the apostles laying hands on the, uh, the Samaritan converts, and they, were re- they received something so much to the degree that he sought to buy it. Now I didn't want to take the time to dialogue with that, because that's not the, the purpose of this message. And so, Pentecostals, we believe that there was a physical manifestation... And we believe that that physical manifestation is probably consistent with or in harmony with what took place in the book of Acts chapter number 2. And so, without me trying to take you into the depths of a particular study about the initial physical evidence being speaking in other tongues, because that's a controversial subject and a debatable doctrine made, not just between Pentecostals and those in the evangelical church who don't believe in our personal experience, but even within Pentecostal slash charismatic churches, there is a debate as to whether or not speaking in tongues is the initial physical evidence of having been, baptized in the Holy Spirit and what I want to say today is I'm not going to journey anywhere with those two debates today that's not I'm not trying to clarify those debates what I'm trying to bring you into the awareness is if you're within Pentecostalism whether or not you believe it's speaking in tongues or prophecy or another gift or the other nine gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 14 there should still be a distinct moment a distinct experience in your life When you say, my God, the Spirit of God came upon my life at that particular moment. The apostles, let me tell you, when the apostles went to Samaria with John and Peter, they went there with the expectation. How many know expectation is part of it? That it's my and these other pastors and spiritual leaders, it's our responsibility to create faith, to speak faith to you. To speak faith to you to the degree where you're not sitting here debating within yourself whether it's for you or not. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of margin today. The margin is this right here. You may be able to still maintain in your mind that speaking in tongues is not the initial physical evidence, but it might be prophecy or some other spiritual gift. I'm going to give you that margin today. I'm not going to try to go into that. I don't have time today. But I'm not going to give you the margin as to whether or not it's the will of God for you to have an experience with God that so changes your Christian existence and begins to set you up generationally to the power and the presence of God in your life. And I'm not saying that when we lay hands on you today, you're going to be the next Billy Graham. But I'm not saying you won't. I'm not going to tell you today that you're going to suddenly have the gift of the working of miracles and that your shadow is going to fall on sick and infirm people and they're going to be healed. But I'm not going to tell you that it can't happen. But the one thing I am going to tell you is I believe that you should expect because Jesus said, how much more does your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Aren't we to ask that we might receive, that our joy might be full? Aren't we to seek that we might find? And aren't we to knock that it might be opened unto us? If I can give you anything today, I want to tell you this real, real quickly. I'm very, I'm, I'm, I am concerned, very respectfully as I say this, that Pentecostalism slash Charismatic Churches are we are living in the leftover fumes of a bygone generation because we're afraid to experience, we're afraid of the experience. I want you to know today, I understand there's a little bit of fear associated with the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a mysterious element to God. It's mysterious, but it's not mystic. Can I say that again? God's presence sometimes is mysterious, but at the same time, He is not mystic. That's why Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. If your children ask for a fish, you don't give him stone uh, or a serpent. He said, if, you, if your children ask for bread, you don't give them a stone. So if you ask for the power and the presence of God in your life, God's not going to give you anything wacky, right? Anything so mystic or something that's even on the edge of cultish or demonic. But God's going to give you the power and the presence of His Holy Spirit. I believe in the anointing of God today. You go on your own personal journey. And you begin to study. God has always been pouring His Spirit out in the earth. God's Spirit's always been moving. You say, really? Well, Yeah, go back to Genesis chapter number 1. The Bible says the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the deep. God's Spirit is always in response, waiting, waiting for people to believe and to long for and to take the promises of God and make them their own. And I'll tell you what, if you are, have a passive faith related to this, I'm telling you, you may never receive. One of the things that in our d- discussions, it was a stimulus, and so as Joe and Jason, and I, Jason went back to this particular passage, and in that particular verse there, in the 15th verse where the word receive is used, they received the Holy Ghost, In his particular study, he found out that the word receive there, translated in the original language, is 133 times translated receive. And when you and I think of receive, we think almost like in a football term. I'm the receiver, right? But it's also translated, I believe, 105 times, Jojo, as take. And so a passive faith says this. Well, if he wants me to have it, then I'll get it. If God wants to baptize me in the Holy Spirit, then he will. If God wants me to prophesy, then I'll prophesy. Or if he wants me to speak in tongues, then I'll speak in other tongues. That's a passive faith. And I can't tell you you won't receive with that kind of faith because God is sovereign. But I can tell you the kind of faith God is looking for is people that say this right here. It's a covenant promise. Shane, where you at, brother? It's a covenant promise. It's a covenant promise that belongs to the children of God. Jesus, the Apostle Peter said, The promise is to you, your children, and your children's children, even as many as the Lord our God should call. And so you're sitting here today, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm just, I get a little bit nervous. Let me just tell you, get over it. Man, just get over it and jump right in. Every one of us have had times, how many of you are like a little kid at the swimming pool? And you looked at it, and you'd gone from the waiting end of the pool, and now you're gone where your parents said, It's over your head, but I'm going to go ahead and let you do it. And you're sitting there and you're just a little bit nervous. Right? You can be like Pastor Brown on the banks of the Dead Sea. Just dive in. Of course, I came out like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. I could hear voices, but see no man. (laughs) But I want to challenge you today. Make a decision in your life. Make a decision that you're going to go in with God. Make a decision that you want the fullness of God's Spirit in your life. You want the power and the presence of God upon you. Why can't God use you? Why can't God's anointing be upon your life? Why can't you prophesy? You can prophesy. I believe that. You should earnestly desire. Doesn't the Bible exhort us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts? To crave and long for these things. And Then you say, well, pastor, I had it, but I, it's not as, as, as uh, fluent and it's not as fresh in my life. Well, you know what the apostle Paul said? Apostle Paul said, stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. What would happen if we began to rekindle? What would happen if the men and women that had a historic baptism of the Spirit of God in this church family began once again, fresh and new, to begin to agitate that gift in their life? to stir up that gift, to begin to pray, to begin to pray in the Spirit, build up their most holy faith as they're praying in the Holy Ghost? What would happen if you began to go into that realm of the Spirit? Do you not believe that we could begin to see a renewed power and presence of God in our generation that would literally leap out of the pages of the history of the church and that we would have a new history being written in our generation? you believe that? You know what, I, be- I have believed it for as long as I've been in ministry. But I'm going to be honest, I was almost to the place where I didn't believe that I was ever going to live to see it. But something has shifted inside me in the last few weeks. Something has shifted. And, 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 and kind of the, out of the darkness of my own soul, I began to, I began to retrace this and say, No, I'm not going to go to my grave. trying to put out a fire on the farm i'll go to my grave if i have to trying to start a fire in the church come on somebody i want to see you experience the power and the presence of god in your life i want you to know him in the intimate recesses of your soul i want you to be able to respond to him i want you to have an unction i want you to have joy I want you to have the work of grace and the goodness of God. I want to go through a little bit of a stimulus here as I just kind of glance over some of these notes if there's a couple things that I want to draw your attention to, particularly out of this. I told you these notes weren't necessarily a sermon, just a, a stimulus in my heart and mind to just bring this to you. This is a subject matter that I have studied out in great depth. And what I mean by that, I've studied out in great depth, not because I'm a theologian, because I could get lost in the argument theologically in concerning the baptism. I can't tell you Greek words. I can't tell you uh, certain verbs. I can't tell you any of those things. All I can tell you is face value, what the Scripture says. And when I take the, just the Scripture and what it says, and I put it in the application of the first century, I see God moving in the lives of men and women. And I see them hungry for the power and the presence of God. I see apostolic anointings. I see the call of God. I, when I think about the Apostle Paul when he went to Rome, remember for just a moment, Romans chapter number 1, verse 11, and I felt this way when I went to MacArthur on Wednesday night, and I haven't felt that way in a long, long time, but when I was there amongst them, I felt what Paul felt when he said, when I, he said when he wrote in Romans 1, 11, he said, when I come to you, I long to impart unto you a spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. And so as I left here, Hebrew Springs, and traveled just 60 miles, 50 miles south to Jacksonville, I felt like there was something in my heart, that there was a work of grace that was real, and that was biblical, and that was sound, that there was a gift, and a calling, and an unction in my life, and that when I was right there in the midst of this contemporary spirit-filled church that needs a fresh wave of the Spirit of God in their midst that I had something that if they would respond to and if they would listen to that would be either be in my voice or in my doctrine or even just on my person I just felt like that I could help that church become more established in this present truth and I want you to know today I want our church to be a people and I want you to be a person that says, God, I want all that you want for me. I want, I want to be unafraid of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I want to be unashamed to say, God, fill me. Doesn't Ephesians 5 and 18 says, Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess? Oh, how that needs to be preached in our generation, even to the church. But be filled, but be, say it with me, but be filled with the power. Of the Holy Spirit. And so it is the will of God for you. I shared on Wednesday and I shared last Sunday. 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul said, This is the will of God for you concerning these things in Christ Jesus. Even your sanctification. Does anybody remember that? Well, about three of you. Thank you. You can go back and listen to it on the podcast. You may not be able to watch it live, Facebook, but you can go back and listen to the podcast. That's the, How many of you believe that's the will of God for our lives, to be sanctified, set apart, consecrated for God's purposes? I believe that, don't you? I'm not my own. I was bought with a price. I have a divine purpose in my life. My divine purpose is to leave the residue of God's grace in my life for someone else. Right? They, when they're around me, or when I'm in present contact and relationship with them, uh, whether I determine that I'm witnessing to them or not, just the fragrance of Christ in my life is going to be discernible by the person that I'm around, right? Is that part of your purpose? I believe that should be the purpose of every child of God, right? That Aren't we to be witnesses for Him? So it's not just in our preaching, but it's in our character. It's in how we live. It's the decisions that we make, right? It's how we treat other people. It's not saying one thing and doing something else. It's not dancing around at church on Sunday, going out acting like a heathen on Monday through Saturday, Right, but it's having some consistency in our walk, in our walk of faith. It's honest confession. If I fail, I ask for forgiveness. If I say something or do something that's harmful or hurtful, that the Spirit of God convicts me of. Because you know why? Because there's two things I don't want to do. I don't want to first grieve the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you what, I believe that that's one of the greatest hindrances to the work of the Spirit of God in our life. And this is definitely not in the notes, but I'm going to go ahead and go with it. And that is the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter number 4 exhorts the church to grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you were sealed unto the day of redemption. The grieving of the Spirit of God, you do a Bible study, a word search on that, you'll find out to grieve means to make sad. And when we live carnal lives, unholy lives, when we're hateful and embittered and we lie and we create a distrust and we manipulate other people, then the Spirit of God inside us is grieved. And if the Spirit of God is grieved inside us, then corporately He's grieved, right? And so I want to be somebody that ever lives in a constant moment of the awareness of His presence in my life. So if I say or do something that is wrong, then when the Spirit of God convicts me, I can immediately respond, I can tell you how that worked in my life. It wasn't that long ago. I got a text from somebody, random, wanting me to vote for Elizabeth Warren. Now, I'll just, I ain't going to make this political. I usually don't say strong words. So I went ahead, but I did that day. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not voting for that socialist communist. And he said, I'm ashamed that you are Trump 2020. I'm sorry, that's just the way I put it. But, you know, later I felt bad about that not because of my particular position but the way that I responded because there was animosity in the way that I responded and so but it was too late I'd already been moved from the from the phone list so I couldn't go back but in my heart in my heart because I didn't want to come to this pulpit and I didn't want to walk through my church family and walk in this community with that type of spirit on me because I'm not that's not who I am I had grieved the Spirit of God, and so I was able to repent. And I know that's something that when I, we talk about praying for you, I still believe in repentance. I believe that there are times in our lives when we just say, God, forgive me. And I, then I turn to the individual and ask the individual to forgive us as well. But number two, I don't want to be found guilty of. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, the Apostle Paul says, quench not the Spirit. And in this modern movement of the charismatic church, the slash contemporary church, If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we're going to create such a culture till we have quenched the Spirit of God among us. Can I be honest with you today? Listen, we're not after smoke screens. right? I'm not after that. There's a lot of things that the contemporary church is doing, and I'm not somebody that throws stones at people, and I'm not going to do that today. I'm just saying, God, that's not what I want. I want the authentic, genuine work of the Spirit of God in the life of an individual because that's what's going to leave you changed. That's what's going to begin to produce a fruit in your heart and life, and that's going to cause you to live and act differently and empower you as a witness for Him. Do you believe that today? Don't we need to be empowered to witness for Jesus with the gifts and the callings of God? And so today, this is not a, a, a day about great theological debate or dividing the Scriptures, but it's about creating a mindset within each one of us. What is that mindset today? Because I'm going to prepare to close, and the reason why I'm closing early is because we're going to leave time. Because when you don't make time, you don't get the thing that you hope for. Right? We can, do, we can have the best preachers, and we do. We can have great theology, and we do. We can have great doctrine, and we do. And we can have wonderful people, and we do. But if we don't create time and opportunity and space for God to move among us, then guess what? He won't. He won't. We'll have so isolated him. From our services. And we can give every reason. We can give every reason for it. And we can make all excuses and everything. But I want to be a church family. Especially at the back end of the service. The back end of the service. At the back end of preaching. At the back end of this exhortation that I've given you. Where you have faith to believe. Faith to believe that God wants to do something powerful in your life. I closed down at MacArthur, and I'm going to close right now with a testimony, and I'm going to share this testimony with you real quickly. Now, there's a lot of testimonies. I've been studying, and I went back. I, I wanted to trace Dr. Brassfield. I wanted to see this not just through the first century. I wanted to see spirit-filled um, ministry in the second century, in the third century. I wanted to search it out and see. And so certainly there are scholars and authors that have gone back and read from notable uh, church fathers and what was happening and you can find the working of the spirit as late as the fourth century right was the church was about unfortunately to transition into the dark ages god was still moving there were still charismatic gifts you can go back and you can read about men and women they were casting out devils i remember i read uh, one particular one was a uh, um I, I may say his name wrong iranius Ar- is that it close enough In 185 185 A.D., so that's, that's a second century after Christ. And there was an, almost always an anticipation after water baptism. Water baptism had become synonymous in the minds of that particular era of the church with regeneration. Washing of water of regeneration had become the mindset. And so, you know, you would, could profess Christ. If you profess Christ, they got you wet very quickly, whether by sprinkling or by submergence. And so they would get you, and so it was synonymous. Almost like you see in Acts chapter 16 in the night when, they, when Paul and Silas were delivered from the Philippian jails. Anybody remember that? When they were delivered from the Philippian jail and then they led the, the, the Philippian jailer to Christ, they didn't wait till the morning. They didn't wait till Sunday. They didn't wait to have a baptism service. They didn't say, well, let's add him to the list. He's now a candidate for baptism. Let's get him through three growth classes. and then we'll, No, that night. Before the sun could even rise, they took him down and his family and baptized them in water. And so even by that time in 185, uh, that, that was kind of that, that, that same mindset. That so, so, but there was the encouragement by the, the leader at that particular time, Arrhenius, who's writing about church history, and he's talking about He said, we encourage every person that when you come up out of the waters of baptism to long for, to ask of your father, The power and the presence of the Spirit of God. Now I'm paraphrasing. The charismatic gifts to long for. Because if you don't long for them and desire them, then you're not going to receive them. So you've got to have a desire inside you. And this is not a selfish desire like Simon. Sometimes there's a selfish desire inside of us. But I believe the sincere desire is I just want to be who God's called me to be. I want to do what He's called me to do. And I want to have the power and the presence of the Spirit in my life. So I'm going to take you back in the testimony that I know the best, my own, to close this message. That's the one that I know, Doctor Russell, without having to read the book or without having to Google search it. But I came out of the Baptist church, and I was, uh, you know, had been a, a a part of the Wilbur General Baptist Church, but but there was something not quite satisfied inside me. And I'm 16 and 17 years of age, and most of you know a part of this testimony how that I'd met Ray Cothran down here when I was sacking groceries at Town and Country. And my senior year, uh, when I was working, I would go to school from 8 till 10.30, get in the vehicle, drive to uh, town and country, sack groceries until 2 o'clock, and be back at Wilburn by 2.20 for basketball practice. During that time period, I met Brother Ray, and Brother Ray was the founding member of the Christian Center here in town, the prevailing word, Christian Center. And I began to go over to his house, he invited me over to his house to study the scriptures, we began to talk, and then I began to find out about the charismatic church, because I didn't know at that particular time, all I knew at that particular moment is, is that when I read what little bit of reading I had done up until that time, that I read about in the book of Acts, I saw something called speaking in other tongues. I saw something in Acts about the Holy Spirit moving in the lives of people. And I never heard anything about it from the pulpit at the General Baptist Church. And I'm not trying to throw a stone at that. I'm just simply saying that was just the reality in which I lived. And so I had this desire. So I got exposed to Pentecostalism. I got exposed to charismatic ministry. I got exposed to people that worship God like this. And oh, how excited I was. Now, I was a little bit nervous the very first time. That I had been in a spirit-filled church, and you may be here for the first time today, and you're like, Pastor Brown, I didn't know when people started raising their hand. Are we all being arrested? You know, what we're doing is we're lifting, the Bible says, lift up your hands, all you people. Make a joyful noise unto the rock of your salvation. So I was a little bit dumbstruck at first, and I was kind of this, you know, I was kind of worshiping God like this, but it didn't take too long. To realize how great my God was. To realize he was worthy of my praise. To realize I had something inside of me that needed to be released. And that needs a joyful response to his work. So even before what captivated me wasn't even speaking in other tongues. It was open worship. That's what caught my attention the very first. I was like, my God. I saw some of the people at Wilburn go out to the basketball game, and when we were on and we were scoring, they were acting a fool. They were making a lot of noise and jumping up and down and shouting, and then they came to church, and they were quiet, and they were reverent, and they didn't make any noise, so I saw a contrast. And I'm not saying that to be critical. I'm not trying to judge any other component of the church. I'm just simply saying that in my life, I said I want something a little bit different. I want something more expressive in my worship. And then I got exposed to the doctrine of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I began to long for it and I began to pray for it. And so but at the, uh, I was given an invitation by a preacher who unfortunately now has backslidden and went a thousand miles the other direction. And he invited me to come over his house in Pangborn to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I went over there, and I've told this testimony a few times. And I'm going to be honest, it, it, was, it was difficult, and, and I struggled. And on the inside, and he in his mind thinks that I spoke in tongues. I spoke what I heard. I didn't hear it here, I heard it here. And I simply, because if you're not careful, you'll have so much pressure on you in that moment that you're going to respond because you don't want to walk out feeling like I'm the one that didn't get it, right? Come on, can I be honest? Is this real today? I'm just trying to be real. So I'm in the floor of this little house, and you know and I'm Shatakai Mosian, but it's not coming from here. It's coming from here. You say, Pastor, how do you know it didn't come from here? Because there was no peace on it. There was no unction on it. There was no glory on it. As a matter of fact, Dr. Basil, I went home, and now remember, I'm just 17 years of age, and I have no theological training, no preacher training. I feel the call to ministry. I don't know where this thing's going to go. I'm starting to separate myself from ministry. It's a process. It's not an event. Can I say that? It's a process, not an event. And the reason why, Joe, I know that that I had not received what I was in pursuit of, because when I went to 1 Corinthians 14, and the Apostle Paul is talking about the gift of tongues, which we believe that to be distinct from the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Paul said, do all speak with other tongues? uh, He didn't answer it, but the obvious answer was no. And I can be honest, in my mom and dad's bedroom, or my bedroom at my mom and dad's house, I said, Lord, thank God. Because that's how I felt, right there. Because the experience had not produced inside of me what I thought it would. Are y'all here today? And I'm closing with this. So here's the end of that story. But I didn't back away. I didn't run to another church and say it's not of God. I continued to stay around, folks. I continued to stay in that mindset. I continued to interact with people. But I had a hunger inside me that wasn't satisfied as of yet. A hunger and a desire. And I longed, and I just didn't know what, and I didn't know where, and I didn't know how. I knew it. I believed in it, but I didn't have it until I took my vacation at Town & Country. Sherry was working at Aeroquip. For whatever reason, dad was at work. Mom was gone. I took my vacation during the summer, the heat of the summer, and I'd been outside working, I think, cleaning Sherry and I's car. And I came in, and I had lunch, and I was, had been given by Brother Ray Cawthorn a VHS VCR tape. Now, Most people know what that is. There are some under the sound of my voice like what? What So we'll tell you more about that later. And I was given this tape, and I put it in, and I'm watching it, and I just finished eating, and I'm just it was so hot outside and I was cooling off. And it was Morris Sorello. Morris Sorello was preaching. And Morris Sorello, in about halfway in the middle of his sermon, he said he looked in the camera. Like this, put his finger. He's a spirit-filled messianic Jew. He's a Jew that believes in Jesus of apostolic nature. He pointed through that camera, and, and, and he pointed right there, and it came out in my living room. He said, right now, there are young preachers that need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he said these words, listen to this. He said, get down on your knees right now and receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And without a single person laying hands on me, without anybody pouring oil or shatakai mosien or tie, none of that stuff, which I'm not saying that that doesn't aid at times. Sometimes it aids and sometimes it hinders. Oh, come on now, let's be honest. Sometimes it does, sometimes it don't. I'm just telling you how it happened to me. In that particular moment, there was nobody to lay hands on me. There was nobody to do anything at all. It was just me and Jesus. And I got down, just like the man of God said. I lifted both hands, just like this, and out of my spirit began. And I had to take it, Jace. I had to take it. I had desired it. I longed for it. And I believed in it. And I said, this is my moment. And I said, God, it's my promise. And I received it. And whatever began to bubble up out of me, I began to speak it. Because you can't speak in tongues and speak in English at the same time. you got to speak in one or the other. And so I shut off English like I turned the cold water on and said, I'm tired of cold showers. I want the hot water on. And I turned the hot water on and out of my belly began to flow a river of living water. And I began, to, as the adage in the book of Acts, I spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave me utterance. And the reason why I'm pointing to it today is because my Christian life changed from that day forward. That was my mark. That's, now, that's where I don't end at. That's where it began at. I don't go back and worship there. I go back and remember that moment to say, thank God. Now take me into the depth. Now take me into the depths of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of my life. Now, I didn't come up like Oral Roberts with a miracle healing ministry. I didn't come up with a prophetic ministry like we see today. But I did emerge with the gift of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And God, like the Apostle Paul, the scales fell off my eyes. And I could read this book in a way that Dr. B, I'd never had previously. And all of a sudden, an untrained graduate of Wilburn High School's mind began to grasp spiritual truths. And I began to understand them. And I began to gain memorization of Scripture and understanding of Scripture. And I began to have an anointing on my life. And my preaching began to change. And instead of being scared and timid and intimidated and have a visual image of my mind preaching one way, but get up there and clam up and get cold and not be able to preach. But now there was a fire on the inside of me, like the prophet said, that was shut up in my bones. And I had an anointing, a tangible presence of the Spirit of God i preached too long, but I came along to tell you today, it's a distinct experience in your life. But you've got to have a possessive faith, not a passive faith. And if you've got a possessive faith, then you can receive of the Spirit of God in your heart and life. Does that make sense here today? Darrell, would you join me on the platform this morning if you could? I want to ask our church family, let's stand. I don't know, I'm sure I've gone past noon today. I was supposed to preach 30 minutes and then quit. So we'd have ample time to pray. Well, we do have ample time to pray because we're going to lay aside our personal agendas. And it's not just going to be me, but it's, it's you. It doesn't start with us praying for you. It starts with you praying. Nobody could long and desire this for me. I had to desire it for myself, didn't I?